Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. In our previous episode, Dr. Bernard answered the question, what is the initial evidence that a person has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? In this week's broadcast, Dr. Bernard concludes his answer to that question by reviewing what the Book of Acts has to say about the initial evidence of Holy Spirit baptism. Oneness Pentecostals teach that the full plan of salvation was outlined by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost when he said, and I'm quoting from Acts chapter 2, verse 38, or at least paraphrasing, he said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Classical Pentecostals, which would include Oneness Pentecostals, believe that the initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial sign, is that a person will speak in an unknown tongue, speak in tongues, as we often refer to it as. Which leads to a question. If a person has repented of their sins and been baptized in Jesus' name, in accordance with Acts chapter 2, verse 38, but they have not spoken in tongues, are they saved? In Acts 10, 46, we have almost the exact question you just posed that it was a group of Gentiles um, that wanted to be saved. Acts eleven fourteen specifically says that Peter would come and preach to them and tell them how to be saved. So they weren't considered saved yet. So Cornelius and his household were Gentiles. They believed in God. They prayed. They worshiped God. They gave alms. They do all the, did all they need, uh, knew to do, and they believed in God. But in some sense, this crucial sense, they were waiting to be saved. Well, Peter, the Apostle Peter, and a group of Jews came down from Jerusalem and preached to them. Now, the mindset of the Jewish Christians was Gentiles couldn't be saved. They weren't the people of God. If you wanted to be saved and you were a Gentile, you had to first convert to Judaism, which for the males would include circumcision. It would include a commitment to keep the Sabbath laws of the Old Testament, the dietary laws, et cetera, et cetera. You had to change your ethnic identity in, in, in many significant ways. You first had to become a Jew. Then you could be saved. So while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell because evidently Cornelius and his household had, had faith. They already had faith, but at the preaching, they began to have faith in Jesus, in the gospel. They repented of their sins. And while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And Acts 10, 46 is crucial. It says that the Jewish Christians that had come with the apostle Peter were shocked because they didn't think this could happen. But they had to admit it, that they had received the Holy Spirit. Why? for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Well, then they had to admit it. Well, they received the Holy Ghost just like we did. And Peter proceeded to say, we, we need to baptize them. How could we forbid this? They've received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Peter had to go back in Acts chapter 11, back to Jerusalem to give an account to the apostles and elders, the leaders. Why did you go preach for Gentiles? That's contrary to our custom. We don't think you're supposed to do that. That's violating some principles of, of fellowship here. And so Peter had to explain, God's the one who sent me. And who was I that I could withstand God? And he made this interesting thing. 
He said, when I preached them, I remembered what John the Baptist said about people being baptized with the Holy Ghost because that's what happened to them. They received the Holy Spirit. And you can read this in Acts 11, 15 through 17. They received the, whole, the same gift as we did in the beginning. So he's talking about the day of Pentecost. But wait a minute. There was no sound of rushing mighty wind. There was no tongues like fire. There was only one thing, speaking in tongues. But that was enough for Peter to say this is the same experience. He said they've received the same gift as we who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says when we believed on Jesus, remember what happened? We received the Holy Ghost spoken tongues. Well, they just had the same thing. When they believed on Jesus, they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues. And the reason why, I know you're thinking Gentiles can't receive the Holy Ghost, but I know they did because they received the same experience in the same way that we did. Now, I've had some people say, well, at the beginning of the church, God had to use a miracle to show that people could receive the Holy Ghost. So he gave tongues. In Acts chapter 10, they didn't think the Gentiles could receive the Holy Ghost. So God had to give this miracle to prove it. But after that, it's not needed. Well, there is another example, Acts 19. And here's just a local group of believers, disciples of John at Ephesus. The Apostle Paul met them. He found they were believers or disciples. And he wanted to know, but have you really received the experience? Are you saved? So he asked them some questions. Well, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Ghost? Well, no, we haven't heard about that. Well, have you been baptized? Well, no, uh, just under John. So he baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost and began speaking in tongues, Acts 19.6. Here is tongues again. What's the reason to show that local group of people they were part of the same church? Well, that need still exists today. So not only was tongues given in these first crucial times, tongues was given in all these subsequent times to show that local churches, local groups, and individual disciples are united with the original church. So in the Old Testament, there's a rule of evidence that in the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, every word should be established. Well, the apostle Luke, under the, or, the, or the writer Luke, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Acts, and he gave three very detailed examples to show you that tongues is the initial sign of the Holy Spirit. So based on that teaching, Yes, we do expect someone to speak in tongues when they receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I've had people say, well, if that's the way Luke thought, why didn't he just say so? Why didn't he just say tongues is the initial sign? Uh, you must speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. I think if you would ask Luke that question, why didn't you just say so? He probably wouldn't understand it. Because in uh, most of his human history and in most of societies today, and certainly in the Bible, the main way that people taught was not lectures, not point one, two, three, and making statements that people write down and take notes. It's by telling stories. And even today, effective preachers and teachers, they always use stories to get their point across. So I think if, you, if, if Luke finally understood what you were saying, he would say, you know what? Yes, I could have, as just one man, Luke, told you what I thought. But what credibility does that have? Instead of me trying to give you my opinion, I told you a story, a true story, of how the first Christians received the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. The crowd gathered. They were attracted by this miracle of tongues. And they asked, what does this mean? Go back in Acts 2. You see some 
mocked them because they didn't understand the tongues. They thought they were drunk. Some did understand the tongues and marvel that they these Galileans could be speaking all the different languages of their home countries. So all these people were attracted by this miracle of tongues, and they asked, what meaneth this? What does this mean? And the apostle Peter, with the support of the other apostles, answered specifically, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. When he said this, that means this tongue you're asking about. Is that, that's the prophecy of Joel. And the prophecy of Joel said God would pour out his spirit and as a result, people would prophesy or they would speak under anointing. So it's the 12 apostles that say, when you see someone speaking in tongues, what that means is they've received the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts 2 says. And that's what we say. Now, let me qualify this a couple things. Some people say, oh, so you say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. Wait a minute. Our salvation is not in tongues. We do not make tongues our Savior. Our salvation is Jesus Christ, and we must receive his spirit. So the emphasis on, did you believe on Jesus? And if you did, have you received the spirit? That's Acts 19. So I'm not going to be put in position that tongues send you to heaven, tongues send you to hell. I'm always going to go back to Jesus Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit. But having said that, I would say when you receive the Holy Spirit as the Bible teaches, God will give you the sign. So it's not something you have to manufacture. It's not your works. It's not something I have to give you. It's not something you get mad at me. Well, you say I have to speak in tongues. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying seek God and let's see what God will do. It's God's idea to give people tongues. It's not my idea. So don't blame me. (laughs) You know, if God gives you the Holy Ghost without tongues, that's his business. But according to the scripture, we should have the expectation that God is the one who will cause you to speak in tongues. The second thing, some people say, well, I know somebody speaking tongues and they, they live a sinful life or they have false doctrine, whatever, whatever. Well, let's be very clear. All we're saying, according to Scripture, tongues is the initial sign. It shows that you surrender to God at that moment in your life and God filled you. But the abiding sign is not tongues, although you may continue to speak in tongues because you've received that ability, that gift from God. But the abiding sign is the fruit of the Spirit, supremely love, the pursuit of holiness. So the, the way I know I have the Holy Spirit today is not because I speak in tongues sometimes when I pray, although that's true, but the way I really know that I have the abiding presence of God in my life is I have this desire for holiness, and hopefully others can see the ninefold through the Spirit of Galatians 5, and that's how we would know on the long term that somebody is filled with the Spirit, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and ready for the rapture. But we do still, on the basis of Scripture, expect. It's our expectation. And so if someone says, well, I think I have received the Holy Spirit, but I haven't spoken in tongues, I would say, you know, I have no doubt that you have had an experience with God and a relation with God. I'm not here to judge you, but I would just simply say, don't be satisfied with what you have. Keep praying and God will confirm it. God will fill you with his spirit and you will know it because you will speak in tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast. We hope you'll make plans to join us again next time when once again we take a look at how the Bible applies to our everyday lives.